Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs chopping it up now in first place. Chopping it up, as uh, said by Morgan Gannum, who, of course, uh, sings the intro for this Chiefs podcast. Chiefs to now in first place in the AFC West. Huge win Thursday night over the Oakland Raiders. Yes, that's right. We're talking about the first place Kansas City Chiefs team. I've got to tell you, man, uh, times are, are, are good right now in Kansas City. Everyone's ecstatic. The fan base is exuberant right now, and it's a lot of fun watching this team. It's a lot of fun. I know the the way they're winning games. It's not the it's not the most ideal way. It looks very rudimentary the way they are winning their football games, but they are winning at the end of the day. That is all that matters. They have defeated the Oakland Raiders twice. They're four and zero in the AFC West. Uh, you, you know what? You want to talk about the way that they've won their four AFC West games, or at least three of the four. One of them had to come back big against the Chargers. One of them, uh, one of the more miraculous comebacks you will see against the Denver Broncos, the way everything just went down in that football game. And then, of course, that second quarter domination against the Raiders. I'd rather have the Chiefs do all of that, make it look a little weird the way they're winning their games, rather than sitting here talking about a loss. And I'm sure as a fan, you feel the same exact way. I'm Farzim again. This is the Chiefs Stone Podcast. We will talk about that Chiefs victory and the way they're winning their football games. Is that going to come back to bite them later on? I, I, I've heard all the national talk, and I get it. Some people out there, even even fans in Kansas City, are skeptical about the way this team is winning games and think that they're a pretender, not a contender. Uh, we'll talk about that. As always, you can download the podcast on iTunes and subscribe as well. Tell a buddy about it. Let them know that this is... Not just the best Chiefs podcast, but, but, but the longest reigning Chiefs podcast. This is the OG. This was the first ever Chiefs podcast to have ever hit the internet in 2007. So uh, you guys are always in for a treat when you're listening to this podcast, the Chiefs Zone podcast. Uh, also, be sure you like my Facebook page. Love all the interaction with you guys on social media. You can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash sportscaster Farzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugi, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Look, man, a win is a win, and, and I, I've said this for a long time. I know that they haven't had the prettiest set of wins this year against the Chargers. I mean, that Jets game, the amount of t- takeaways they had, and the very few amount of points they had on offense uh, at, at Oakland. I mean, there were some weather conditions that Chiefs fans are saying. Or not Chiefs fan, but I guess someone could make the case, the argument that the Chiefs had uh, weather on their side. Well, turns out that was the case twice for them this season. Uh, boy, that Saints game, I mean, that was not a very pretty second half. Of course, the Colts dealt with injuries in that game. The Jaguars, they almost made a comeback defeating the Chiefs. Uh, the Panthers, they had to rally in that one. The Buccaneers also had to rally, but did fall in that game. Uh, Broncos and and Falcons, the two craziest ways to win a football game. You come back being down by eight late in the game, and then your game-winning field goal as time expires and overtime is off the the left post. And then that Falcons game, you won on a a pick two. Essentially, you won because the other team scored a touchdown. The Falcons scored a touchdown, which sounds like the most asinine thing to say, but that's that's what happened in that football game. That is how the Chiefs won. I still can't get over that. Like, the Chiefs beat the Falcons because the Falcons scored a touchdown. That's why they won that game. That's why they won that game. Uh, I mean, essentially, it's like, 
And look, obviously, knowing what we know now, now obviously the game plan changes in that setting. But uh, if the Falcons just kicked a field goal, or heck, even if they threw an incompletion and didn't even get the two points that they wanted, uh, they would have won the game. Now, yes, of course, the Chiefs would have tried to score rather than run out the clock in that uh, situation. But again, uh, that was the right call for Atlanta. It's kind of weird because... You have to get really strategic. What's the right move? You've got to be really careful if you're going for two down or up by just one. Because and this is something that never crossed my mind. But if you if you if you go for two, you're giving the other team an opportunity to 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 take the lead. So that's something that's never honestly cro- crossed my mind. It, it's not something that I, I thought we would ever see that kind of a scenario. But it, it happened. I, I can't get over that game. I mean, that has to be. The craziest way to win a football game. Now, again, against the Raiders, this has been the narrative for the Chiefs this year. They struggle for the first three quarters, but then in that fourth quarter and overtime, depending, you know, when they have their games, I mean, they've had a couple overtime wins, they dominate the football game. Now, in this game, in particular against the Raiders, they looked really bad. At least offensively, in the first, third, and fourth quarters, it was the second quarter where we saw the uh, really the the second quarter was the fourth quarter where the Chiefs just took over and dominated. And when I saw them go on that twenty-one nothing run, I thought the route is on, and uh, that that just wasn't the case quite yet. Of course, those two turnovers to start the second half for Kansas City, the interception, and then the sack, uh, sack strip and recovery by uh, Khalil Mack. That gave the Raiders, that put the Raiders back in the game, and really, what was a, a, a fairly boring second half. Of course, the uh, failed uh, field goal snap, uh, but but the defense still came through at the end of the day. And one other thing to note about Oakland, and I mentioned this: this Oakland team, there, the Chiefs held the Raiders. The the, the two times that these two teams played. The Chiefs held the Raiders to a combined 23 points. 10 points in the first meeting, 13 in the second meeting. The Raiders averaged 27 and a half points per game. One of the best in the NFL. I mean, they're, they're one of the better, more prolific offenses this year, especially in the passing department. And what do the Chiefs do? They don't give a damn about the 27 and a half points per game. They held them to 23 in two games. So you want to talk about how the Chiefs are pretenders and look. I know, man. I don't, Sure, you can talk about how the weather played a factor in both games. But at the end of the day, man, the, the weather to me isn't a huge advantage. It's not like here in Kansas City we keep the weather like – all the local TV stations they keep the weather just exclusively for the local media. They don't let they don't let anyone else hear about the the the, the weather or, or what's to come. I mean, everyone knows uh, that it's going to be chilly, uh, twenty degrees, ten degrees, whatever it was right at kickoff. Uh, everyone knows what the conditions are going to be. If it's going to rain and snow, whatnot. So, by all means. You can't use the injury as an excuse. The, both teams, all 32 teams in the NFL, when they when they prepare for a game, I'm sure there's somebody on the coaching staff, and maybe it might be the head coach for some teams. Maybe, maybe it's a PR guy. Maybe it's an assistant coach. Somebody keeps track of the weather because 
you've got to you've got to strategize around that. I mean, we talk about how teams like to script their first drives, uh, especially if they get the football first. Uh, that's a I mean that you've got to look at the conditions, also in the setting, the environment, and see what you can do to overcome certain situations, and weather is weather is one of them. So by all means, I, yes, I I get it. Uh, bad weather can uh, affect a, an, an offense like Oakland. But guess what? In January, we're not going to be playing in pretty conditions. Right? I mean, it's not going to be 80 degrees, clear skies, no rain or snow in sight. I mean, we're going to be playing in a lot of cold stadiums, and especially if, if games are at Arrowhead. Only time when that might not be the case, and I know there was that no-punt game in 2004 when the Chiefs had that crazy 9-0 season to start with Dante Hall, Trent Green, Priest Holmes, Tony Tony Gonzalez. Uh, I mean, that no-punt game, beautiful weather. I think it was in the 50s. I mean, for January, that's great in a cold when, when it's really cold in the Midwest. But uh, for the most part, you're not going to get that kind of weather. So... Look, man, this is a reality check for Oakland. This, these are the kind of games that you're going to be playing. And I know so much is made of how they're on the West Coast. They're a California team, so they're not used to the cold weather, which I disagree with because, you know, it's not like these guys were all in uh, pl- playing in Oakland their entire lives. I mean, a lot of them played college football in cold weather cities. Uh, so some free agents have come from cold weather cities. So it's not like... These guys are completely oblivious to these kinds of elements. Uh, so I, I feel like that's... I remember Philip Rivers came here for a really chilly game in 2013 against the Chiefs, and they lit up this Kansas City uh, defense. And I, I know that was the same game where Tom Bahali and Justin Houston both got hurt. But look, at the end of the day, you just take advantage of what's given to you. And Philip Rivers, the I mean, who has played at North Carolina State... Again, it's not like he's completely brand new to cold weather games. I mean, he's played in, in, in the cold weather many times. So uh, this was uh, this was good to see Kansas City go out there. A, a, a team like Oakland that scores 27.5 points per game, and the Chiefs hold them to 23 points in two games combined. I want to read some of your comments before I go more into this football game. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, what are your thoughts? First place, a sweep over the Raiders, 4-0 in the AFC West. Oh, by the way, Denver and San Diego lost on Sunday. So uh, not only did all three of the AFC West rivals lose, but you're also 4-0, and it's almost the middle of December. So if all three of the uh, division rivals, are are, if they lose on the same week and you win, and of course the Chiefs had control of that because... They played one of the AFC West teams in the Raiders. You're hitting the jackpot. You are. Because in December, when things start to heat up with with, with playoff races, division, the wild card, and even home field advantage in Kansas City's case, which is what they're competing for, alongside uh, staying on top of the division, this is a gift. You, you want to talk about how this is a time of giving, Christmas, presents? Well, the Chiefs got a big present th- this week. So, all three of your division opponents lost. And I know San Diego's standing, though they're not eliminated. They Their situation may not matter as much. But look, uh, you'll, take a, you'll take a loss for all three of them. I mean, you, you, you'd love to see uh, all, all your rivals go down while you 
you you're victorious. The only victorious team in the AFC West this week. And again, it's it's the, almost the middle of December, so this is the time of the year where you need all of your rivals to start losing. You're going to need help from other teams. Crazy enough, we're going to be needing some some help from Denver next week if the Chiefs want number one, uh, the number one seed in the AFC when the Chiefs play host to the New England Patriots. We'll talk about that later uh, in, in the week, but. For right now, man, it, it's uh, it, it feels good to be a Chiefs fan. It really is. You've got 4-0 in the AFC West, a sweep over the hot Oakland Raiders, and you know a lot of people want to talk about Derek Carr, who, who, who might be in line for an MVP uh, award, and I think he's definitely very worthy of it. Just because he, he was sweeped by the Chiefs doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. And, of course, he's dealing with that pinky injury and, and wasn't able to do very well in this football game, but... The Chiefs still dominate. I mean, 17 of 41 passing, uh, not not very pretty. But I do want to read your Facebook comments. Ask you guys, you know, how are you feeling moving forward? Three games left in the season. Uh, Cody was the first comment, said two games at home left and San Diego on the road. If we play smart, good football, we may not lose another game. Jacob, you know, the thought of that essentially not losing another game for the rest of the year obviously I, I like the sound of that and at the same time it's you're talking about you know going the full distance and it's something we haven't seen Kansas City do in a long long time really since 1970 when they last won the Super Bowl they have not played in that big game uh for a long time and of course Chiefs fans want to see that and, and that's really the topic now can the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and win Jacob says this was a statement game. The Chiefs showed the NFL that they are a force to be reckoned with. I'm liking this team moving forward, hoping we can clinch our first division title since 2010 and home field advantage. And I like our chances with three more games, two of which at Arrowhead. Like you said, Chiefs in control of their own destiny. Yeah, I've said that in the last couple of podcasts. Even though the Raiders were ahead, if the Chiefs went out, they have control of their own destiny. The Raiders can win out as can the Chiefs, and even if that's the case, the Chiefs have the edge when it comes to uh, who's going to be first place in the AFC West, so that's the beauty of going undefeated in the division so far, and going 2-0 over the team that's uh, competing with you for the number one seed in the division, so uh, that's huge for the the Chiefs. Lamont said we're running the table, kind of similar to what Jacob just said. Bryce said some things are, some great things are happening with the team. Tyreek Hill has been, uh, has, has given a true deep threat that we've been missing hopefully that along with Kelsey's play sums up the defense to get the running back on track and which by the way Adam Schefter reporting that Jamal Charles has a realistic opportunity to return for the postseason so the Chiefs could Spencer Ware hasn't been very good lately a couple Chiefs haven't been really good very very lately guys who really stepped up early on guys like Spencer Ware uh Charkandrick Wesley I mean he's really been nowhere to be found this year Niall Davis he's he's had a crazy year but hasn't played a whole lot either uh, defensive side, D Ford and Marcus Peters both got off to fairly good starts, but we really haven't seen much of them. I know Marcus Peters isn't allowing a lot of yards, but uh, you know you still want to see him make some plays with his hands. The Chiefs did not get a single takeaway in this game, which I'll get to that in just a moment too. Be, be, be on the subject of how the Chiefs are winning games, uh, Bryce finishes up his comment by saying they are a legit Super Bowl caliber team. Chad says, I have to be honest, I still feel a letdown coming. I am happy with what this team has achieved, and I hate that I'm a pessimist. We will see. Go Chiefs. And I know this is all also another side of it. I think as Kansas City sports fans, I felt this way during the Royals baseball run. 
Uh, is this too good to be true? I mean, are, are we are we, we going to be in for a letdown? Because honestly, at this point, the Chiefs got their playoff win last year, something that a lot of us may not have even witnessed during our lifetimes. Some of us were, were probably very young kids. We got that playoff win. Now it's not about winning a playoff game. It's about going to the Super Bowl. That That's the standard. That's the expectation now from Chiefs fans. Dexter says, don't sleep on Tennessee who, by the way, just beat uh, Denver, uh, and uh, they're also in first place in the AFC South. So you know they're going to be coming to Arrowhead uh, really hot and wanting to wanting to stay on top of their division. But keep in mind, it, the Chiefs essentially got a bye week because of this Thursday night game. So we know how Andy Reid does coming off a bye week. So uh, good things for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he finishes off saying, no Derek Johnson, who of course uh, has that Achilles injury. Uh, it's the... Uh, left leg now this time, but uh, no DJ means that they will try to run the ball down our throats. And of course, we'll we'll touch on that in our preview podcast later this week. Stacy says, part of me feels like we're a team of destiny, mainly because of Eric Berry. The DJ injury is very sad and has me concerned. He deserves to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and and I'll say this right now, me personally, uh, when I was 16 years old, starting to interview football players, Derek Johnson was one of the first guys I interviewed in. Uh, just a kind guy. He really is. Um, I, I, obviously, he's gone through a lot with on the field. He he was drafted out of Texas, and he was just not living up to the expectation. And I still remember before that 2009 finale against the Broncos, right before that game, I said, look, they got to cut ties with Derek Johnson. He's just not getting it done. What does he do? He has two pick sixes against the Denver Broncos, which, and of course, Jamal Charles' huge game, that kept Denver away from making it to the playoffs. So the Chiefs, uh, Derek Johnson has turned his career around with that game. That, that game was the was the turnaround for him. It really was. And great guy off the field, too. I, you, it's hard to find guys not only who have a Pro Bowl the type of skill set on the field, but also uh, a Pro Bowl as a character. And that's what Derek Johnson is. And, uh, you know, I, I always appreciated him being kind to me. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he knew I was a, a young wimp going up to him for an interview, going up to other players for interviews, uh, being the youngest guy out of the out of everyone in the media. But, uh, you know, he, he was still very kind. And, uh, you know, I, I've been in certain situations where some Chiefs players weren't willing to talk to me, which which is fine. Uh, but Derek Johnson was uh, one of those guys who was always uh, kind to everybody in the media, uh, kind to all the fans, uh, always took the time to to sign autographs. So uh, I, I thought if the Chiefs had won a Super Bowl, Tom Bahali and DJ would both retire. But And DJ still gets a ring, but it's just, let's be honest, it's just not the same if you're not there playing. I mean, Alex Smith kind of had the same thing. Sure, the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl, maybe with Kaepernick and Alex Smith would have gotten a ring, but that just would not have been the same because he was walking from the, from the sidelines when because of the injury. Joe says, I see a 12-4 and four season, quite possibly 13-3. and three. Uh, Jacob talked about the DJ injury, says we need more deep shots. Alex can do it. Work out the run game, close holds on the run D, and that's all we have to do, small adjustments. We know Alex Smith can throw that deep pass. He, he he did it in this game. He's done it before. People keep talking about how he can't do it. He absolutely can. And he showed it in this game. 
and you see uh, Jeremy Macklin came back, but of course, you know when when a player comes back, they're not going to be in their main form right away. I mean, Justin Houston wasn't Justin Houston in his first game back. It took him a game or two to get back into the swing of things. Jamal Charles, when he, in the little amount of time he played, he was not MVP Jamal Charles. But, you know, if he were to be given more time, I, I think he would have been in his Pro Bowl form very soon. Keith says, I feel good about our chances. This team has a special kind of never-say-die resolve. Go Chiefs. Uh, and got to give credit to Mitchell, by the way, uh, who was picked up three weeks ago, had that big uh, pass deflection late in the game to uh, help the Chiefs uh, get a turnover on downs and uh, come away victorious, surviving that one after the Chiefs on offense, unable to score. And the defense couldn't score either. Part of me, not, not score, well, that too, but... You can't rely on them every time to score, even though they lead the NFL in defensive touchdowns. Um, the thing about this defense is they only got one sack. Had some pressure th- uh, throughout the game, but no takeaways. If you told me Oakland was going to have three takeaways, Kansas City would have zero, and there would only be one quarter where Kansas City would have scored, I would have said there was no way the Chiefs win this game. But they did. Uh, they did. They did enough. You don't have to dominate all four quarters. I know I've been saying that. You just have to do enough. And that's what the Chiefs have done. Uh, Steve says, I'm concerned with the offense. They showed some signs of life at certain points. At others, it seemed like they were going to punt on third down. Uh, (laughs) uh, The uncharacteristic turnovers did not help. Tyreek Hill has saved the team this year without him. Where would the Chiefs be? That's a really great point. Uh, He got the team going with that uh, free kickoff return for a touchdown against Denver. Uh, a couple of offensive, I mean, he had the first offensive touchdown for the Chiefs this year, uh, doing so against the Chargers. Had that huge game against the Oakland Raiders. So, I mean, there are a couple games here where if Tyreek Hill wasn't around, what were the Chiefs going to do? I don't think they're standing at 10-3. and three. Might be, scary to say, could be could have been 7-5. and five. Which, again, I mean, you would be in the hunt, but uh, being a division leader at this point, competing for the number one seed is uh, a much better situation. And God forbid, I mean, if the Chiefs somehow blow it and can't get that number one seed, if they lose out, they could still get into the playoffs with 10 10 wins. It's not guaranteed always. Uh, There have been some 10-win teams that haven't made it, the Chiefs in 2005 being one of them. But for right now, the Chiefs are in a very comfortable spot, so... Uh, that's a, that's a spot you'd rather be in rather than lose those three games. And Tyreek Hill had a hand in those three three games that I mentioned. Uh, last comment here comes from Michael. When uh, we win our, uh, I think it might have mistyped. Uh, he's trying to say that we'll finish thirteen and three at the top of the division and first place in the AFC home field throughout the playoffs. We need it. Yeah, and look, here's the other thing. I just talked about guarantees. Um. Having home field advantage—that's not a guarantee either. I mean, you don't—you're not guaranteed to win. But at a with a team like the Chiefs at Arrowhead, more times than not, obviously you'd rather be at, at your own turf rather than going on the road. So, good things need to happen for the Chiefs. And look, I—I'd be fine with them not even getting 
home field advantage, if you can just get that first round by, because if you get that first round by, you're one game away from the AFC title game. And look, maybe you do need to go on the road and kind of uh, ignite yourself in a hostile environment like New England, maybe. And uh, try to try to go out there and, and get a win. Of course, the Chiefs couldn't do that last time, but the Chiefs can beat the Patriots. They dominated them on Monday night a couple of years ago, so uh, you know it's doable. It's certainly doable, even on the road. Here's my takeaway from this game. Of course, Derek Carr with the injury he had, look, yeah, sure, he had the injury. Uh, we already talked about how the weather's not an excuse. The the injury he dealt he had with his with his pinky, and the way he was holding the football. Chris Collinsworth went into that went into detail with that. Here's my thing, man. If you are playing, you're essentially saying, "Look, yeah, I'm hurt, but I can still play." I mean, there are a lot of players at the in December. They're not 100. percent A lot of players are dealing with pain, and uh, I mean the wear and tear on bodies. Uh, they're coming into play right now. All 32 teams are dealing with it. Mentally, some of them are feeling better than others, which is understandable. But for the Chiefs, I mean, they, they, this is a Chiefs team that, that's been banged up throughout the year, missing a lot of play. I mean, they played the first half without their best offensive and defensive player in Justin Houston and Jamal Charles, and they still stand at 10-3. and three. So of all teams... The Chiefs are the ones who have had it really hard when it comes to injuries. And yet, here they are. So, listen, I I, I don't care who, what other teams are, or what injuries they're dealing with. Uh, the Chiefs even used the backup quarterback this year and still won a football game. So, overall, the way the Chiefs team is and the only my only complaint is that running game and that's why I think the Chiefs need Jamal Charles back I know a lot of fans aren't too fond of Jamal Charles thinking he might be starting to get a little older now Uh, the injury may be holding him back but the Chiefs need him I mean this Chiefs offense as good as it can be with Travis Kelsey Tyree Kill we saw some flashes with Chris Conley and hopefully Jeremy Macklin can uh, get back more to form he only had one catch in this game was targeted three times uh, but 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 if he can get back in, and if you have Jamal Charles, the defense has to account for a lot of guys. If you have Jamal Charles, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Conley, Jeremy Macklin, that's a great offense right there for Alex Smith to work with, and that's a that's a defense that that's gonna have to keep a, keep an eye on a lot of Pro Bowlers. And on top of that, defensive coordinators are gonna be spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to stop this offense, especially with Jamal Charles on, on the team. So if you have Jamal on your offense, there's a lot that a defensive coordinator has to prepare for his players, and those players have to account for everybody. And it's not going to be an easy task for those defensive guys. Defensively, listen, even without Derek Johnson, I think Remick Wilson playing a very great, playing, playing great for the Chiefs this year. Outstanding season so far, statistically, nothing flashy, but again, he's playing good coverage and uh, also playing well against the run. And he's rated as one of the top inside linebackers by pro football focus. And this is a guy who, yeah, I, I think he can take over. If there's anything, I hope the guys like, whether they're, 
I know some of the players I'm about to name, they're not even playing right now because of injury, but guys like Ramik Wilson, DJ Alexander, uh, Josh Maga, uh, Justin uh, Lillard March. I mean, there are so many guys, uh, young guys on this team, and I hope they've learned a lot from DJ. He is expected to come back, or at least that's what he said uh, to Therese Paylor uh, of the Kansas City Star. He wants to keep playing. I mean, he's not done. He has two years left on his contract, uh, but, but, but... if he's still not going to be the same guy, if he ends up retiring sooner rather than later, hopefully these young inside linebackers learned enough from him and they're able to be strong without him because the Chiefs are going to need those interior linebackers, especially against DeMarco Murray this week when the Chiefs face the Titans, which of course we'll touch on later this week. And at the end of the day, a win's a win. The way the Chiefs are winning games, scoring in only one quarter, giving away the football three times, and not getting an interception or, or recovering a fumble in this game. And the Chiefs found a way to win. The Chiefs, every single week, finding crazy ways to win. The last three wins that they've had against the Broncos, Falcons, and Raiders, crazy, crazy scenarios, but they're finding ways to win. And in the NFL, that's all that matters. I've compared this Chiefs team to last year's Denver team. Not a very pretty offensive uh, team. Very poor offensive production, especially with the way Peyton Manning was playing. Uh, he was leading the NFL in their interceptions before he got benched and, and had that injury he was dealing with. But guess what? As boring as the Super Bowl that was, as bad of a performance that was by the Broncos offensively, they still won the Super Bowl. I don't see Denver Broncos fans complaining about how they... Won a boring Super Bowl. The the storyline is they won the whole thing. And if this is how the Chiefs are going to win their games, fine, man. It it makes for exciting. They're they're still playing good football. They're still playing football that entices the average fan. I mean, if I, and I know this is hard to speak objectively, but listen, I like defensive touchdowns. I like special teams touchdowns. Who doesn't? The Chiefs have scored on special teams in defense lately, which has helped them win games. You don't see that from all 32 teams. You may not even see it from a third of these teams. So the Chiefs, the way they're winning their games, that's fine with me. And I'm sure it's fine with you. And I know that the national media, I heard Jason McIntyre on Fox Sports Radio talk about how the Chiefs are a pretender because of the way they're winning games and how they barely beat Jacksonville. Are we really going to judge a team off one game because they barely beat a team? Look, the Patriots, if we look at their four Super Bowl winning seasons, I guarantee you we can look back at at those seasons, which, you know, I'm not going to do that on this podcast because, listen, let me just word it this way, okay? Any sports team that's won a championship, and we can start with the Kansas City Royals from last year. We can look at their season and we can talk about points where they did not look good during a period of time. I still remember how Ch- uh, Royals fans, part of me, were complaining a lot about the team the same year they won the World Series. The, the complaints about Johnny Cueto and how the offense isn't scoring a lot of home runs and not a lot of uh, production scoring-wise. I guarantee you those four Super Bowls that New England has, we can look at each of them from their winning seasons and look at games where they, first of all, they may, they start off 0-2 in uh, the first Super Bowl that they won under Belichick and Brady. 
one of the very few teams to start 0-2 and win a Super Bowl. So the Patriots have had to overcome. Well, I guess this is another great example. They got crushed by the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. And what happened after that? They cruised the rest of the season and won the Super Bowl. Sure, deflect it, whatever, fine. Uh, this is a, this is a team that still struggled out at one point in the season, and people talked about how they're not going to win another Super Bowl after that Monday night crush at Arrowhead. And w- what happens? They end up winning a Super Bowl. People were talking about Tom Brady and how he should retire. No, he ends up winning a, a, another Super Bowl. Even during the season where the Patriots went 16-0, and you could look at a couple games where they bear they squeeze out a couple wins against some teams that aren't at their level that weren't top notch teams that year. So listen, every championship team they have losses at some point. The Kansas Jayhawks in basketball in two thousand eight they lost to Kansas State on the road, and that was kind of a head scratcher for a lot of basketball pundits. Some thought that. That that, that, that that was going to expose KU. They ended up winning the championship. They had to come back to, by, down by 12 in, uh, what was it, regulation, forcing overtime and ended up winning. So listen, championship victories aren't easy. You're going to have luck on your side. And listen, I, I, I've talked about luck before. Great teams find a way to be lucky. Bad teams like the Cleveland Browns, of course they don't have any luck. That's because they're always losing. Meanwhile, a team like the Chiefs, a team like the Patriots, they've had some luck on their side. I mean, the Patriots, they they barely beat, defeated the New York Jets a couple of weeks ago. A team that the Chiefs dominated in week three. So this is, I mean, you, as sports fans, we really need to chill out. <laughs> I, I know Chiefs fans are kind of starting, and those who have listened to the podcast, I think are, because I don't see this complaint as much on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, which again, facebook.com slash sportscaster farzine, twitter.com slash farzine21. I don't see these complaints as often. I think cheese fans are understanding that look, and maybe I've put it, I've said something that's convinced you guys wins aren't easy in sports. So, and you know what? Here's the thing sure, we would all love a 49 nothing victory, but at the end of the day, what's more exciting? The way the Chiefs won against the Broncos and Falcons, because I guarantee you, you were fist pumping and jumping up in the air in your living rooms or at the stadium if you were at the, any of these games when they won. I mean, the Chiefs have had a lot of exciting games. The Chiefs are the most fun team to watch in football. Isn't that what we want in sports? Isn't that we always talk about how we want to see that exciting ending in a sports game? Well, this is what we're getting. This is like, you know, your favorite football movie or sports movie. And they have that scripted ending where, oh, the game-winning pass to the to the, to the the tight end as time expires. This is how the Chiefs are winning their games. And obviously, as Chiefs fans were accept, accepting it, maybe outsiders aren't. And listen, I'll say this. In the playoffs, everything can change. It's clear Andy Reid's holding back a little bit. Not really the smartest move, but you're winning your game, so oh well. At the end of the day, when the playoffs start, and look at three years ago when the Chiefs went over to Indianapolis, they went on a tear over that Indianapolis offense or defense. 
Now, unfortunately, again, it did not go our way in that game, but you guys know what I'm talking about. That offense, we have not seen that offense dominate like that in a regular season game. Only other time we've seen him that dominant was against New England in that Monday night game I've referenced a couple times on this podcast. So this is a moment where you just got to sit back and, and let things play out. The Chiefs are winning their games. At the very worst, I could see them finishing 12-4. and four. Hopefully that's enough to win the division. And the Chiefs have had some bad luck uh, lately because, and I know I've talked about luck, and you know the Broncos have been the greater team, so of course they, they find a way to be a little bit more luckier than the Chiefs the past couple of years. But anytime the Chiefs have double-digit wins, they end up with a wild-card spot, not a division title. They won the AFC West in 2010 with 10 wins, but in 2013 and 2015 with 11 wins, it's only good enough to get a wild card spot. So hopefully the Chiefs can overcome that hump of double-digit wins as a wild card team and translate that into a division win. Because the Chiefs could really use that moving forward. Plus, of course, getting home field advantage, or at least, at the very least, a first-round bye would be huge for the Chiefs moving forward in the postseason. All right, last podcast I talked about how I wanted to discuss the the future of the Chiefs because uh, this is a this is a really great football team as we're seeing this year, and it's very hard with great football teams. Of course, we just saw with the Royals what they did in trading Wade Davis, and how a lot of Royals fans feel about that. There are some some difficult decisions that general managers have to make. And it's not easy keeping a, a great football team like this. The Chiefs have been finishing above 500 every single year for four years in a row, including this year. How are they going to keep all these guys who are, of course, going to demand more money? And I'm looking at 2017, and the Chiefs have almost $1.5 million of cap room. And that's not going to be enough to keep guys like Eric Berry and Dontari Poe. And I'm looking at their cap numbers for 2017. Justin Houston, he's got a cap number of 22.1 million. Alex Smith, 16.9 million. Jeremy Macklin, 12.4 million. Nick Foles, if he does get retained, he'd be making 10.75 million, almost 11 million. So I think definitely letting go of Nick Foles would be an option for the Chiefs this year because they've got to free up some cap room space to bring back guys like Eric Berry and Ontario Poe. They've, in 2018, they've got $31.5 million of cap room, but 2018 so far away that a lot's going to happen. You're going to have to re-sign a couple of guys, possibly maybe in restructured contracts. Uh, I mean, guys are probably going to ask for more money. Guys like Marcus Peters and D Ford. So again, we'll see that number change eventually, but for now, with 2017, your priorities this offseason, and listen, I, I know you might be wondering, why are we talking about this? Well, first off, the Chiefs pretty much have a bye week this week. Second of all, as a general manager, John Dorsey, he's thinking about these kinds of things even during the season. As fans, this is not on our minds, of course, not until the offseason, but general managers have to be ready at all times. Uh, they've got a plan for the future, 365 days of the year. And the Chiefs have got to find a way to keep Eric Berry and, and, and Dontari Poe too. I think if you could only keep one, you definitely want to keep Eric Berry. I think you can find a a strong interior lineman, whereas 
a prolific safety like Eric Berry, you're not going to be able to find in a, another Eric Berry. It's just, it, it, they're so rare. Just looking at a couple of cap room numbers. Eric Fisher recently signed a new deal. You're not going to restructure that. Nine and a half million almost. Tom Bahali, eight and a half million. We'll see how that goes because this is a guy who doesn't play much. And the Chiefs are doing a great job of using him. In the few snaps that he is playing, he's getting the job done on the field. But for a guy who's not playing much, is it necessarily to make that much money? I think that's uh, something that you want to you wanna look into. And by the way, Over the Cap does a great job. They basically let you simulate this and see what you can do with, with, with cap rooms, essentially. So if you were to cut Nick Foles, restructure Tom Bahali's deal, and let's say you restructure Derek Johnson's deal, because I think that's also somebody that you might want to look into and try to restructure their contract. Talk to his agent, see what what how they feel about the situation, if you can do something about it. Jamal Charles... I would say restructure his deal, but you might need him, especially with Spencer Ware and Chark Hendrick West not doing as well this year like they did last year. Uh, ja Reed, he's making $3.6 million. I, I, I don't know if I'm a big fan of that contract, especially that, you know, the, the, I mean, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't been playing horribly. He hasn't played every single snap this year offensively. Uh, so I'll go ahead and cut him as well. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm just going down the list here. No one else is making a lot of money. So let's say you did the following things. You cut Jar Reed. You restructured deals with with Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson. Cut Nick Foles. The Chiefs all of a sudden have more than $16 million of cap room for 2017. That is plenty to bring back Eric Berry, Dontari Poe, and maybe even go out and get a couple of key free agents. Maybe try to find a way to move up in the draft because you know this Chiefs offense, I mean, they've got some holes and there are some things that they could do to have a more consistent offense. Maybe have a better running back to go along with Jamal Charles and the rest of that backfield. I know they brought back Chuck Kendrick West and Spencer Ware for new deals to, to play along with Jamal Charles, but it hasn't worked out so much. So maybe the Chiefs should look at uh, at uh, trying to find a running back in the first round or, or second round even, maybe find, maybe even get lucky and find a speedster like Jamal in the third round and uh, have him compliment Jamal. So there are some options for the Chiefs. And look, that Nick Foles deal, uh, as nice as he looked in that Colts game, he was really bad against the Jaguars. So I don't know if I'm a fan of bringing back Nick Foles, especially with that deal, uh, getting more than $10 million as a backup quarterback, you already have Alex Smith making almost $17 million. So uh, I think the Chiefs can stick with Alex Smith and keep Tyler Bray as the backup quarterback. And then from there, like I said, the Chiefs have $16 million of, of cap room. Let, let me just undo the Jari cut. Let me see where that leaves the Chiefs. Puts them at $14 million. Still, that's good enough to bring back your two big free agents on the defensive side and... Sign a couple of guys. Sign a couple of key players in free agency. 
And you may be asking, I mean, who, who's going to be available in 2017? I'll give you, I'll give you a list here. Kirk Cousins, quarterback. Which again, if if you're going to keep Alex Smith or Nick Foles, I I, I think the Chiefs go with Smith. Uh, you're definitely not interested in Kirk Cousins. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey at wide receiver. I think he would look nice opposite of Jeremy Macklin. Now we have seen a lot from Tyree Kill. I, I think with his size, he's an unlikely starting wide receiver. Uh, you want to, you want him to handle those special teams duties. But if you bring in a number two receiver, he can focus more on special teams and also be a slot receiver, which would be a great role for him. So uh, Alshon Jeffrey, who again ha- has had some flashy seasons, uh, he'd be an option. Trumaine Johnson, the cornerback from the Rams. The Chiefs could definitely use another number two cornerback. Phillip Gaines hasn't necessarily been a fan favorite. Uh, Lawrence Timmons from the Steelers. The Chiefs could use a new inside linebacker, especially with the injury recently with Derek Johnson and the fear that he may not be the same linebacker again. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. Deshaun Jackson, who played under Andy Reid, and Pierre Garcon, who also plays with just Deshaun Jackson. He's he's been with the Colts for a little bit. Those are also wide receivers who could be available this offseason. So Andy Reid, I mean, there's a great chance that Andy Reid could have Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin back together playing an offense that they're very familiar with. And that could help the Chiefs moving forward in 2017. So I don't want to get too much into, into the offseason because we're, we're so far away from that. But to give you an idea, the Chiefs have got to find a way to free up some cap space to bring back those two key free agents and also work on uh, getting a couple guys that uh, the Chiefs could use for 2017 uh, from free agency. And of course, the draft as well. All right, before we sign off, let's go around the NFL. now but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking pretty good they won five in a row that includes that big win over the Kansas City Chiefs here at Arrowhead Stadium uh that looked like a bad loss now again I'm not gonna make excuses I I still think the Chiefs could have won that game that interception really hurt the team in the red zone going for that uh, pass to Chris Conley in the end zone but uh this is a Bucs team that's uh quietly dominated uh they're tied at eight and five with the Falcons and a team that's trying to find a way to climb up in the rankings. So, uh, I mean, this Tampa Bay team, again, just recently beating New Orleans, a a, a division foe, they're a team on the rise. And maybe we see that potential Super Bowl rematch between the Chiefs. Well, not a Super Bowl rematch, but just a a rematch this year in the Super Bowl between the Bucs and the Chiefs. Uh, Listen, I'm all for avenging losses. As a huge UFC fan, MMA fan, you know, I, I always want to see fighters try to avenge losses. I, I, have, I just have that mindset. I want to see this Chiefs team do the same thing. I was hoping the Steelers could be that team that the Chiefs could avenge a loss. Maybe they have that opportunity. The Steelers, uh, you know, competing with the Ravens for that AFC North title. But in uh, the Texans as well. I mean, the Texans also can be uh, right now on top of their division. But uh, this is, uh, there's some possible opportunities for the Chiefs to avenge all of their losses, their three losses so far this year, which would be you know, kind of nice you, that, that'd be a nice storyline, but at the same time, unrealistic but point being, the Bucks, uh don't sleep on them, because they are on a roll right now I do want to talk about the Cleveland Browns I know I've touched on them before, but man, uh still winless, 0-13 I'm rooting for them to win a game man, I really am uh, as a Kansas Jayhawks football fan, it sucks. 
uh, as a Chiefs and Royals fan, uh, look, we've had some bad seasons here in Kansas City as as a as, a, as sports fans. Uh, and I saw a picture of their stadium uh, this past week against the Bengals. That that was that's that's rough. And I'll never laugh on another team, even the Raiders, if they somehow, as passionate of a fan base they have, if they have an empty stadium like that, that just sucks to see. Um, no sports franchise deserves to go through that. That also affects the economy too. Think about it. You you have what? Maybe a thousand people at that Browns game. I mean, maybe you tell you, you listen. You're no dummy. You know that you're not going to have a huge turnout. So maybe you tell some of your parking attendants to not come to work. Maybe some of those uh, some of those guys selling beer. Maybe they, they're told to stay home, and it sucks for them because they lose a lot of money. And if they are working. They're paying a lot of money to guys who might not be selling a lot of beer in these games. And maybe they are because of the the poor season the Browns are having, and, and Browns fans could use a drink. That's a possibility, too. Bottom line, uh, it's a tough season for the Browns, and man, I really hope that they can win a game. Let's go out of bounds. mentioned this before on the podcast i went to blue valley west high school and i'll tell you what man uh high school and college the the thing that i despised the most is was driving there and you know there are a lot of inexperienced drivers a lot of young people driving on campus and they're i mean they're not making car payments they i mean they, they their cars come from their parents a lot of them do which that's okay i mean i was in that case too when i was younger but there are some careless people out there i mean just because their parents pay for it they don't seem to care about I mean, they're reckless. Well, I went to Blue Valley West High School, and right in front of Blue Valley West High School, there was a 15-car pileup on a one-lane street. It it turned into one lane because of the construction that was happening, but 15 cars hit. I mean, there was a pileup. How do you not pay attention to what's ahead of you, man? And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I hate bad drivers. If I'm on a date with a girl uh, on a first date, and if I find out she's a bad driver, I'm sorry, that's a deal breaker. I don't care how hot you are. Uh, I, I, I I like to look for smarts in a girl. If you cannot drive, uh, no, it's just not going to work. Uh, how do you not pay attention to what's ahead of you? There are already three, four cars hit, uh, piled up. Why does that turn into 15? I don't know. That's just ridiculous. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what else is ridiculous. Carlton Bragg and the situation he's in. Uh, I, I know the NFL gets a lot of heat for this, domestic violence, but he's accused of pushing his girlfriend down a flight of stairs. Uh, he pleaded no guilty. His mugshot, I mean, the guy's the guy's all cheery, cheerful. Uh, listen, now, I understand there are two sides to the story. Maybe she charged at him. I don't know. You've got to look at both sides. I know if a guy... If he does something, you know, it's, it's it's big. But if it's the other way around, if it's a woman, you know, it's not talked about much. Um, first of all, don't do not do that with your mugshot. You look stupid, okay? Uh, it, it's not an incident to be smiling over. Uh, man, if I was there, if I ever had to take, take a mugshot, uh, boy, uh, I, I'd be humiliated. Because uh, that, that stuff goes on the news. It goes on newspapers. Carlton Bragg thinks he's some celebrity. Look, you're already a celebrity with KU basketball. What do you need to smile about getting a mugshot? That's not something to smile at. You should be ashamed of that. Your family, your friends should be ashamed that they 
they know a guy who's apparently so happy to, to be having a mugshot taken. Uh, but the situation with him pushing his girlfriend down a flight of stairs, apparently, allegedly, I should say, uh, we got to look at both sides here. And maybe we don't end up finding out what the real situation is. Uh, and listen, there's all this talk about Mizzou fans saying, oh, look, another KU player in trouble. Uh, I mean, Mizzou has had a lot of issues over the years. But uh, look, being a KU student, there are a lot of players who get in a lot of trouble and it does not get it does not get revealed among the media. There was an incident with a football player, Ben Heaney, who's now with the Raiders. He got in trouble because he got into a fight at a bar. And the media didn't even know about it until KU Football sent out a press release saying that they are handling it. That's when the media actually found out that, that a player got in trouble by KU Football's press release. I think there was one article written about it and no one had even seen it for some reason, including me. Because uh, I was one of the beat writers for, for KU Student Paper and none of us had knew about it. None of the editors, nobody. Uh, but again, uh, you just got to look at both sides with the whole Carlton Brack situation. Time to throw some penalty flags. Oh man, uh, bad bad game for Ryan Tannehill. Of course, has that ACL surgery out, out for the season, but earlier in that game. He threw one of the worst passes ever to a wide-open wide receiver. Uh, it was supposed to be a wide receiver screenplay, and he just throws a horrible pass that goes backwards. It's it's one of the most watched Vines in the history of Vine now. Um, look, I know on this podcast I criticize players and coaches and general managers and politicians, whatever. Uh, basically, I'm criticizing people, whereas if I was in their shoes, I would not be qualified for their jobs. I'm telling you right now, if I had to throw that pass, I'm not going to throw it backwards, okay? And then these these same players and their agents demand millions of dollars. Millions of dollars to throw a pass like that. Good for you. Okay, this uh, fighters union from some of the UFC fighters and in a Bellator front office member, it's already not working out. Uh, they're already trying to seize this. It's it's just not going well. Uh, boy, uh, you talk about a, trying to start a union and it's already failing. These group of guys not doing a good job with it. And they're all complaining about their own personal experiences. And these are union guys just trying to make money for themselves. That's all they're trying to do is make money for themselves. Speaking of the UFC, I was watching an interview with Michael Landsberg from TSN, which is basically Canada's version of ESPN. And Michael Landsberg just doesn't do his his research. He just doesn't before he interviews someone. And he gets involved in these arguments on air with whoever he's interviewing. And listen, I, I, I get we have some... Ego, personality, sportscasters here, but at least these guys do their research. At least they're somewhat respectable. Michael Landsberg, man, he's he's an embarrassment to sports journalism, sports broadcasting altogether. Do your research before you interview someone. Look, look, look up Michael Landsberg Dana White interview. It's horrible. You're going to laugh. If you want to actually la- watch an interview and laugh if you got 15 minutes... 
Uh, search CM Punk TSN interview. CM Punk, of course, former WWE champion, went over to the UFC. Has this really crazy interview with Michael Lansbury. It's uh, it's laughable. You'll like it. You gotta do your research. Especially if you're gonna have a high-profile guy like Dana White, CM Punk. I haven't even seen all of his interviews, and I think it might be, you know, a good comedy hour kind of deal. You know, instead of uh, watching Netflix for for an hour, maybe I should look at Michael Landsberg's interviews. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're comical. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you so much for downloading this edition of the Chiefs One Podcast. Please like the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Farzine or Sportscaster Farzine, or search my name, Farzine Vasugian, on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine. 21 and as always please 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 subscribe to the podcast let a buddy know about it let him know about this og podcast the chief zone podcast as always far as you again thank you guys interact with me on social media i'll talk to you later this week when we preview the matchup against the tennessee titans week 15 the final stages of the nfl season it's the final countdown the chiefs three games left looking to make a run and stay on top of the afc west and get that number one seed the Chiefs are going to need some help playing the Raven, the Patriots playing the Ravens on Monday night. Hopefully the Ravens can come through and then Denver next week against the Patriots. Yeah, we're going to need Denver's help next week. Crazy enough. We'll talk about it all later this week. Take care.